how to open four more doors when one door closes, how to manage your emotions when it comes to the high expectations of others, how to reach true happiness and fulfillment, three things that he does to not let his phone rule his life, how to build your own self-confidence and own self-identity, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 429 with NBA coach, best-selling author, and motivational speaker, David Nurse. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help individuals get closer to the best version of themselves because we believe when an individual works to get closer to the best version of themselves, not only are they better off, but their friends, family, community, and ultimately the world are better off because of it. One way that we do this is through the 10-week transformation where we help people build the healthy habits that transform their self-confidence, transform their body, and transforms their life. If you're interested in building self-confidence and healthy habits, then make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. Today, I am super excited to bring you David Nurse. David is the CEO of David Nurse International, which is a coaching and training company. David runs a successful Be The Breakthrough coaching business and is a highly sought after speaker hired by companies like Dell, Salesforce, ESPN, and the NBA to help thousands of employees and athletes develop unshakable mindsets. In fact, he was recently named as one of the top 50 keynote speakers in the world by real leaders and ranks as the youngest speaker on that list. But before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to the Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share the episode with a friend while you're listening. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, then I would love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only David Nurse. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. I have been looking forward to this for quite some time now. I'm really excited to be joined by the one and only David Nurse. David, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Nick, of course, man. I'm glad I'm the one and only. I don't know any other David Nurses. Actually, <laughs> actually, take that back. Have you ever Googled yourself and found a cooler Nick Carrier? Like I found a David Nurse who was a soccer goalie over in England. And I was Damn, like, yeah, that's pretty cool. He's, he, he holds the top David Nurse. So I'm going for him. Uh, I have not. Um, now I'm like scared to, so I don't know if I'm going to. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, David, I, real quick, I want to give you give everybody a quick overview of kind of your background. So you grew up in kind of small city Iowa and then moved to Kansas City for high school and, and you fell in love with the game of basketball at a young age. And then you went to Western Illinois and played and you kind of always had your sights set on playing in the NBA and you went to Western Illinois, which is definitely not a big school by any means. And like, and have you heard, I've heard you say in the past, nobody has gone from Western Illinois to play in the NBA, but you still kind of had the belief that you could. And then you played overseas in places like Australia and Greece and Spain. But then in Spain, you got cut from a team. And I think you said you were 24 years old and you went home and you're living with your parents in in Kansas City. And then I found kind of one of the next big things that you remember and was a big life-changing moment for you as you were sitting on your recliner chair and your mom said, 
David, when one door open or when one door closes, four open and an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. And then you th- you thought that was such a big moment for you for because uh you always thought if one door closes, just maybe one other door opens, but maybe four can open up. And I think that's such an important thing for for people to realize that when one opportunity seemingly shuts, there's actually maybe multitude of other opportunities that they could walk into. But oftentimes people don't either see those opportunities or they don't actually walk into those opportunities or through those doors. And so my question to you is, what is the difference between somebody who actually gets to walk through those doors and take advantage of those opportunities and somebody who doesn't? Because I truly believe that everybody has those four other doors open. It's just whether or not they walk through them that is the game changer. Totally, man. Phenomenal question. And you know my story better than I do. Like I would, I just want to bring you around with me everywhere I go for tell my story for talks before I have to. No, dude, it is, uh, it's, it's an interesting point and it's an interesting concept in, in many ways. When one door closes, four open. An entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. So think about this. Most people think when one door closes, there's just one op- other opportunity. Most people also think when that one door closes, it's closed. You have to find a different door. Okay. Mm-hmm. When a door closes, when all of my NBA hopes and dreams and everything I poured into being a player, the IQ of basketball that I'd learned, okay, that door closes. I didn't just go on to be a, uh, a manager at a restaurant. No, I used my skill set that I had learned for something better. That's a big disconnect. When a door closes, it is, hey, you're going to use what you've been pouring your whole life into for something better. Now, the four doors are different options. They're different paths you can take. It's like one of those goosebumps create your own story where you get to choose your own route. You can always come back to that, that one door. I'm not going to lose any of these skills that I've developed. Just like in the Goosebumps book, this is the first time I've ever used that analogy. I kind of like it. You can always come back to that spot and you go, you find your own path. So I like to give the analogy of life being like a long hallway. There's a hallway with doors on each side. You open a door, you go in, you explore, you learn, then you shut that door. Then you go down the hallway, you open another door. You never go backwards. You're taking what you have learned. So also in this, to understand that you use what you've learned in the past to lead you to the future, you open the doors. This might be the biggest thing. Somebody is not going to open that door for you. You do not have to go into the door, the next opportunity that somebody tells you you need to. You don't need to, after you fail, listen to what your mom or dad tells you you need to do. No, you open those doors. And and here's how powerful that really is. So I wanted to coach in the NBA after thinking I could play in the NBA. You know how I got into the NBA? I hand wrote a letter to every NBA GM, hand wrote it. That was me trying to open a door. One, one guy got back to me. One, he sparks every connection in the NBA, leads me to be able to coach with the Brooklyn Nets to everything I did with NBA players because I wrote that letter, okay? I wanted to go from NBA coach to keynote motivational speaker. No connections. I wrote one email, or I got one email back from a ton that I sent out from a friend of mine who worked for Nestle in Australia. He ended up connecting me to be able to get my first big keynote event because I reached out. Many other connections had to work for that, but he's the one who did that, okay? 
I've always wanted to do a TED Talk. Always wanted to do a TED Talk. I'm going to give one in October. Why? Did somebody call me and say, hey, David, you want to do this TED Talk? No. I reached out to literally every TED host I could. One of them got back to me. And you know what he said on the call with all the other people that were on it? We never do this. We never take anybody that reaches out, but we made an exception because I'm not letting just other people open my doors or waiting for that phone to ring. Like they can, those doors might never open or they're going to open at some other time, but I'm never playing the victim mentality. I'm looking at a door closing, being a grandiose opportunity for something even better to come using those skills that I've learned. And I'm going to knock on every single door because what is the worst that can happen? If I ask somebody for something, if I try for something, if I go for something, is anybody going to put me in jail? I mean, it's not against the law to go try to get what you want in life. I mean, obviously you can't steal or do it the wrong way. Nobody's going to put me in jail. Nobody's going to kill me for it. Like, I just, I'm okay. But we're so afraid of that rejection that it paralyzes us from any type of steps forward. Yeah. There's so much that's, that's so good there. I love the hallway analogy of life going from one door, learning what you use there, moving forward, not moving backwards. Uh, and then I think one of the biggest things that you said and people for them to realize in their own lives is when that one door closed, it wasn't like everything that you had become, all the skills that you had acquired, all the knowledge that you had acquired, all the experience that you gained, that goes out the door. It's you can use, you want to use that knowledge, the skill and an experience to open up the next door and use it in kind of the same field, if you will. And I think a lot of people think I'm starting from scratch when I'm trying to go into this new opportunity. And one thing that you actually do talk about in your book is like, you're not starting from scratch. Like you have become the person who's gotten to gotten you to where you are today. And that person it has is still a whole lot more than what you were in the past. And so you're coming from a much better place. And I, I think what you talked about, again, the hustle of writing so many letters to people because so many people are waiting for their phone to ring or waiting to get that email when 99.9% .9 of the time it's not going to come. You have to create that opportunity to yourself. And I'm, I'm getting to a question here. I think one of the things that, or I, I think is one of the biggest reasons that made you take the action of writing so many letters, of reaching out to so many people who put together TED Talks is you, you, you knew you were using a skill set that you had built up. And so you were still taking action with the skill set that you had built up. And I think a lot of people maybe take action with a skill set that they have or are thinking they needed to take action with a skill set that they have not built up. And so they don't have enough belief in themselves to reach out to people. Do you, do you feel like that's, I'm not sure if I clarified what I was trying to get across well enough, but do you feel like that's maybe what something some people are doing? They're not reaching out because they don't believe in themselves and what they're trying to reach out with? Absolutely. I mean, it's the whole thing of like, you think you can only reach out or you can only go for what you want when you're ready and you have it all together. When has anybody had it all together? Look at the person that you think has, like, who do you think has it all together in your life? Ask them and I guarantee their answer will be, well, more than half the time I just stepped in the room and I just, you know, kind of made things happen. I do that so many times. I've been in so many meetings. I've been on so many stages. Like, I don't have it all together, but that's not going to hold me back because I know I'm going to learn through that process. And it's that fear of failure that holds so many people back. At the core, that is the most debilitating thing there is, the fear of mm -hmm. failure. 
And it's so cliche to say failure is learning and failure is growth. And we can say that, but it's a lot harder to actually go through it. But once you go through it and realize that you're okay on the other side, like I, I like to put it on the point of like, if I fail at something, let's say, for example, if I, I step on stage and I can't remember what I'm talking about, let's say I even trip over my shoelaces. That's pretty bad, right? But you know what I have, what I've just created? I've created a great story for another book, a phenomenal story for an icebreaker, a great story for another talk, but that was that failure. So if you can tie a failure to an actual potential positive opportunity in the future, it doesn't become as daunting. And if you can understand everybody that you talk to, no matter how big or polished, they don't have it all together. Like the best NBA players in the world making millions of dollars. Why are they looking for somebody to coach them? Why are they looking for somebody to help them with their mindset? Shouldn't they have it all together? They're literally making over $50 million a year. Sounds like it's pretty polished to me. It's not. But if you keep telling yourself that excuse, then you'll never get anywhere. And, and action, just the, the art of taking action, just a step forward is one of the most powerful things that you can do. You're never going to be able to leap the whole way. And in that same breath, there is no whole way. Like what, what are we all searching for? If you search on Google, what do most people want in life? What do you think that answer would be? I'm asking you this question, Nick. What do you think that answer would be? Uh, I think people would, or happiness, I guess is probably exactly. what we would say. Yeah, by far, it's happiness. Every time you search it, it's happiness. What is happiness? Okay, happiness is fulfillment, right? Feeling like you're living a life of fulfillment? Yeah? Okay. What is fulfillment? Like, how do you become fulfilled? You become fulfilled when you have something that you are striving for. When you're on an exhilarating journey, adventure of growth. The only way to feel fulfilled is if you have something that you're reaching for, striving for, working towards. It's why when people retire and they don't have anything going, they often die quickly, much more quickly than someone who doesn't retire. So happiness is fulfillment. Fulfillment is found through reaching, striving for a goal. And that's only found as you tie that loop back to what? Taking action. Mm. Yes. So good. So good. And like you said, taking action is just the art of taking an action is the biggest thing that you can do because no matter if it's in the right direction, the slightly right direction or the completely wrong direction, you're still going to learn or gain, gain more feedback as to what actually is the right direction moving, moving off of that. Uh, what I want to kind of get into next was something I was fascinated in. You know, one of the podcasts that I listened to you on in preparation for this was you, you with Drew Hamlin. And it's actually a funny side story that not, I don't really need to go down, but went to Belmont, right? And so my girlfriend played basketball at Lipscomb here in Nashville and actually got trained by Drew Hamlin when he was younger. So side note there. But what I wanted to get at is you told him about how you grew up in Iowa and you had like, I think you said like a two inch vertical or whatever like that. You were not somebody who was naturally gifted with the ability to jump high. And so naturally you wouldn't think that somebody else would look at you and be like, oh, he's definitely got, he definitely should strive to be in the NBA. And then you talked about how you didn't have the whole world to compare yourself to, to realize that maybe you didn't have the natural gifts and talents to get to the NBA. And then I was thinking, I was like, 
if social media was a thing back then and he realized he didn't have maybe the natural gifts and talents, he probably would have stopped earlier than he did. And so I was wondering, like, how many people do you think stop pursuing something that is a true passion of theirs because they see in comparison that they're not naturally gifted or talented with that thing when maybe they really shouldn't stop pursuing that passion? Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, really good point. Really good point. I think there's two ways to look at this. So the first way being, yes, I think it was to my benefit that I didn't know what the whole world was doing. I didn't know that there was a guy in Slovenia who was seven foot tall and he was a freak athlete and he was way better than me. So I didn't have to compare myself to anybody other than the people in my city. And I would look at the newspaper. I would look at the box scores. Marcus Walker was a guy I was always going for. He was number one. I was number two. And I checked the box scores and how was he scoring? How was I scoring? But I didn't have to have that comparison of everybody else on social media. So I think that does play a massive factor for kids, for the youth. They see like, well, I'm not as good looking as them or I don't have as many followers as them. And they start feeling like they're less of, like they don't matter when it's a complete lie. And you have to understand that. And I wish I could tell every single kid this, that social media is built to make you feel bad. It's built to make you feel bad, but it's a tool, right? So it's a tool. Any tool can be used for good. Any tool can be used for bad. A hammer can be used to build a beautiful house. It can also be one of the most brutal murder weapons. It's how you use it. So social media in that sense, that's why putting out positive messages, that's how we, we can reach a lot of people through social media, only if used the right way. So I also think though, here's where people don't, they don't really understand the, the benefit that this social media, that this comparison crisis, like this, the benefit to it. So if most people are on their phone, right? Kids, youth, high schoolers, they're on their phone a lot. What do you think that does for people who aren't on their phone, for people who are actually training, wanting to become great in what they do, wanting to become a great basketball player? There's a bigger separation. Nobody was on their phone back when I was playing, so everybody was equal playing field. Now, there's people on their phone 24-7. What if I'm the kid who's not on my phone as much? I'm the kid who's in the gym. I'm not as good as this guy, but he's always on his phone. I'm going to develop my talent, my work ethic, and I'm going to be better at the in the end. So I think when people say, hey, well, like now you're comparing yourself to everybody else. You got all this competition. No, 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 no. I think it's the other way. I think you have the added advantage if you're able to control this thing. This thing is, it's, man, it's a killer, literally. If you can control it, you win the battle. You literally win the battle of life. That might sound like I'm putting that on too high a pedestal, but I'm serious. Like the, one of the most freeing times I've had, I was telling you I was on Alaskan cruise. I didn't get service for three days. I couldn't text anybody, look at an email, look at a social media notification, anything. And it was awesome. It yeah. was awesome. The world kept moving. When I got service, I. I was still in the world. I, like we have this feeling that we have to constantly be relevant. Why? Why? Nobody's waking up every morning. I have to remind myself of this. Nobody's waking up every morning and be like, hey, what's David Nurse doing? You know, like, oh my gosh, he hasn't posted by 8.30 a.m. Oh no, something's going on here. What's going No one cares. Everybody cares about themselves. They don't really care what I'm doing. And it's a great refresher and a reminder that that we don't have to feel like we have that, that, that prison, that social media prison that we're in. And back to the initial question, you have an added advantage 
if you understand that everybody else is on their phone, you don't have to be on your phone all the time. Yeah. Well, I think, like you said, I think, I don't really think it was an overemphasis on the, how you handle the phone and the importance of that and the kind of the outcome of your life. And you talked about how obviously you went on this last cruise and you didn't have your phone for, for three days. What are some other things that you do on a regular basis, on a daily basis or a weekly basis to ensure that that thing does not both like consume your time, but also consume your emotions? We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020, and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it, and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say. My name is Claire, and actually, I've been in the program because I met Nick at Orange Theory, and he didn't have, and I like fell in love with how he coached, you know, the energy in the class, and then he didn't have an 8 a.m., and I literally sought after this man to start an 8 a.m., and I like every single time DM'd him, like, any questions, he's like, should I do an 8 a.m.? I was responding every single time. I was like, we have to make this happen, and it is, that's just kind of, yeah, I don't know why. And then he did an 8 a.m., and I was like, Shoot, I have to join now, I guess. <laughs> I definitely would say like I've gotten a lot stronger. I have not lifted this much ever probably since I like did sports in college. Like took a break for a little while and I like definitely can see a difference of like finally actually getting back to like where it used to be. And I definitely just like have more energy throughout the day, which has just been really awesome. Oh, a favorite part of the program is um, literally just like the energy, like it's an obsession. I, uh, the energy like in his class, no matter what, is just like always going, like we're always just like having fun, um, like working out can be fun. And I just think that he has found a way to be able to portray that. And I like, literally could not see like my national life without this program. <laughs> you should join next 10 week program. Mm, great, man. I'll give you three things. Big time question right there. So I start the morning off with it on airplane mode. Now I know people that have kids, you probably can't do that necessarily. If they're living somewhere else, you might have to have this thing on more, but I keep it on airplane mode for the first 45 minutes of my day. Cause I don't want to start my day off looking at messages, emails, notifications from all over the world that, that can wait. Even if I'm not addressing them, they're still taking up space in my mind. So my mornings are spent, I'm listening to praise and worship music. I'm making my coffee in my favorite seat. I'm having my gratitude time, my prayer time. Like I love my mornings. I look forward to my mornings and I don't want this to take away from it, my phone. Also, I, I now have a, a text messaging and emailing time of the day. So I do mm -hmm. it and I check it in the morning. I, I allocate 30 minutes to get to any emails or any text messages. I treat them the same way because my inbox, you have to treat your inbox like your mind, like your home. Like when I just let complete strangers, let's say somebody that I, you know, I haven't talked to a whole lot, but they're texting me and texting me. Like if they knocked on the door, would I say, yo, come on, come on in here. Hey, take up my time of day. That's cool. Yep. Come on in. No. So I'm going to treat my inbox and my text messaging inbox like my home. I'll check it in the morning for 30 minutes. And after I'm finished with what I want to do, for the day with what I have on the agenda for the last 30 minutes. Then me and my wife have a time that we call it shutdown time or closing time. So we know when we're gonna put our phones away because there's a huge difference between time spent together and intentional time spent together. If we're together sitting on the couch, scrolling through our Instagram, we are not spending intentional time together and that's miserable time. 
So we put our phones down, we put it on airplane mode. I mean, once again, if you have kids, you might not get this luxury, but that's also the benefit of having kids. You, that's, that's amazing. So those are the three things that I do to make sure that I control the phone, control the time. I don't ever want to be reactive towards this. I want to be proactive and make sure that, that my time is spent where I want it to be spent because that is, as we know, the most valuable resource we have. Mm. That's that's awesome. I feel like I, I do. I have my phone and do not, do not disturb ninety nine point nine percent of the time, and that's so, something that helps me a lot. And I, you know, I've heard the text and email time of day thing, and I try to do it for a little bit, and I got away from it. And so I need to get back on that. That's super solid. And I hope you guys who are listening and, and watching took notes on on those, and at least find one that you can start to implement. Maybe you don't have to start implementing all three right away because you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna feel detached. But it's like just maybe try one at a time, really hone in on that, and then maybe add in some of the others, but that was super solid. One of the things that you, you kind of touched on a little bit before we started recording, the expectation factor. You know, I told you before we started recording, I'm, I've been super pumped and, and excited to do this. And so I've kind of had this like lofty expectation in my mind of, of having you on. And you also talk in your book about, uh, with Jeremy Lin, about every, the high expectations were super high on him when he was scoring like crazy and all the Lin sanity and all that kind of stuff. And it was really difficult on him because the expectations were super high and he always felt like he had to deliver at such a high level or he was going to let everybody down. And so for you personally, you know, you've continued to get more you know, externally successful over the years. You've written two great books. You're getting ready to come out with a third. And so I'm sure there's other people have certain expectations that this third book is going to be great. Anytime you do a keynote, people have expectations of it being pretty darn good. How do you handle the emotions of high expectations from others being being placed on you? Dude, that is awesome. Another awesome question. Expectations are real. Like expectations of others, as much as we want to sit here and say, well, I don't care what others think. Like, no, we want to, like, I know I personally want to step on a stage and I want them to say that was one of the best talks or if not the best talk we've ever had. I want this next book to do phenomenally well. And are the expectations of publishers, the expectations of other people. So, yeah, it is. It's real. But if that is my guiding light towards why I'm doing what I'm doing, then I'm in the wrong field and I'm in the wrong industry and my life is going to be miserable. Because I'm going to let somebody down. I'm going to fail. My, I'm going to have a talk where I don't do very well. It's absolutely going to happen. I'm going to let somebody down. I'm going to let my wife down. Not in a big way, but there's going to be times. We're broken. We are flawed. We all are. So we will never hit every expectation. The only, like, the only way that I am able to continue to do this and why I love doing this is because the love of Jesus. That is truly my belief. You don't have to have that belief, but it gives me great comfort to know this. the pressures of this world, the expectations of this world are not on me. I know if I have a relationship with him, I love him, I give my life to him, like I'm set. I'm playing with house money down here on earth. Like it don't matter. Like think about this. Do you think anybody's gonna remember us in a hundred years? No. No, no, there's nothing wrong with that. The only people, Name somebody that comes to your mind a hundred years, hundred years ago. Name one person. That's too funny. Um, that's a good point. Everybody's like, we have under a hundred. Um, yeah. Name your great great grandparents' name. Great great grandpa. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know that. I don't know that. I'm not one of those uh, lineage people. Exactly. Well, that's the point. People aren't going to know us 100 years from now. Yeah. And that's that's totally okay. Like, I, I, I view it as God's looking down on me. He's like, David, you know, all this stuff you're doing, this business you're building, the books, and the, like, that's all cute and all. But do you really know what you're doing? Are you really doing this for the right reason? And I have to check myself at the time because it feels good. It feels good to have success. It feels good to people that telling you how great you're doing. Like that feels great and all. But if I don't have it for the right reasons, then none of it really matters. And it will eventually catch up to me because I will, I absolutely will let somebody down and fail to hit expectations. Has there ever been a time as over maybe over the last few years where you feel like you have been pulled in the direction of maybe giving too much to the external success, giving too much to other people's praises to you and you've put too much of like worth on that? And if so, how did you maybe like pull yourself back? Of course, man. It's a daily battle. I don't think anybody can say that they're fully 100% like, oh, you know, it's nothing. I don't even (laughs) care, you know, like, that's great to think that, but then you're lying to yourself. It is a daily battle. It's the daily habits that I set up, that I come back to, the morning routines, the prayer time, I mean, talking with my wife. I mean, trust me, if I, if I, if I step out of line and thinking like, I'm the reason this is happening, I'm the reason of this, she'll let me know. And that's what's great. Like, you have to have somebody like that in your life. Hopefully, it's your, your spouse if you're married. If not, you have to have somebody who's able to challenge you and support you. So yeah, just continuing to come back to my habits that I've set up, like to, to make sure no matter what anybody else is saying that I know that these successes and the continued successes are not my own doing. I can't physically make, a, like, make this stuff happen. And it's, it's not the universe making it happen. That's the funniest thing to me when people say, oh, the universe. Oh, really? So Saturn just shot down a light to you and like, oh, this is why like, people just say that because they're searching for something deeper. They know there's something deeper, but they just want to, you know, take the easy route out. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I don't like it when people pull out this self-made crap. It's like, no, what stop it. Self-made, man. Stop it. I think one of the big I think one of the big things with with your story is how you've kind of had these really I would say maybe two huge shifts in identity, right? You had this identity of the of the player who wanted to this basketball player who wanted to go to the NBA. And then you had the identity of the shooting coach. And and now you're kind of the identity of speaker and author. And you've had to make shifts in not living in that past identity. And I know for me personally, one of the things that I've probably never said on the podcast before, but I've said to people who are close to me is I think sometimes when I'm taking action in the world and living out my life, sometimes I hold myself back by seeing myself as recent college graduate Nick, but I graduated college over five, about five years ago now, and I'm not that person. And I know people don't see me as that person, but sometimes I still hold myself back by living out the identity of a recent college graduate. And I know it holds me back and I'm like, stop doing that. (laughs) So question to you is how can somebody break through their old identity and start living into the maybe upgraded identity or the different identity that they're now trying to take on. Yeah. Identity is an interesting thing, man. And if you wouldn't have said that you're five years out of college, I would have had no idea. 
So I had no idea. Like it's not what you were doing five years ago. It's who you are now. The biggest tool that has helped me and that I give to people is what I call a daily vote for yourself. So you write down every single morning what you want to be. Like, what do you want that identity to be? I had to start doing this when I was only known as a basketball coach. And I was telling people, you know what, I'm going to write a book. Like, I'm going to be an author. They're like, no, you're a basketball coach. Trust me, I know who you are. That's your identity. So I had to start convincing myself because I didn't believe it myself. So I had to write it down. I had to live in this story. Our brain is 95% neuroplastic, meaning we Mm. can continue to learn. It is the stories that we tell ourselves. Literally in 90, 60 to 90 days, all the cells in our body have completely shed and we have new regenerated cells. I mean, you don't see that because they're constantly, constantly going. So essentially, if you know that, in 90 days, your whole, all your cells, everything on you will be completely different. So just that understanding is really cool that you don't have to be that same person. So voting for yourself, writing who you want to be. David, nurse, I am an author. But then also writing like what type of person, not necessarily just saying you're an author, but saying I am the, I am the type of person who writes books. So if I'm the type of person who writes books, what do you think I should be doing every day? Writing, right? If I'm the type of person who writes book, I need to write every single day. And I do. Those are habits. So even if even if I only write for 10 minutes a day, that's okay. That's a vote for who I am. If if I write for two hours, if I write for one minute, it's just the action of doing what you tell yourself that you are going to be. It's not, hey, I'm David Nurse and I want to lose a lot of weight. Okay, well, all right, I'm David Nurse and I'm the type of person who goes to the gym. Now I'm going to start going to the gym because I resonate with that's the type of person that I am. So you keep telling yourself this, you keep voting for yourself, and then you start telling people in public. And then you start feeling like, seeing what their reaction's like. So I would start saying, yeah, I'm, I'm an author. I'm an author and speaker. And then, okay, all right, cool. Well, like nothing, didn't, nothing bad happened there. And then they'd start asking me, hey, how's the book coming? How's the book coming? So they're holding me accountable and now it started to be in their brain that I'm an author. And now it's shifted so much that sometimes when I tell people I used to coach in the NBA and coach basketball, like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. So it's a, a long-term process built in small daily self votes. Mm, I love that. I love that. You've read Atomic Habits, haven't you? I have, but I've implemented that much before that book came out. No, no, I know. I know. I wasn't trying to give credit to all, all the credit to James Clear there. I think, uh, no, honestly, that, honestly, though, like I think his book is so good. I think everybody should read that book. I have my NBA players reading that book. I think it is so good in like really teaching people why habits are important, how they're effective, how to use them, how if you if you fall off your habits, how to get back on. I mean, there's a reason why it sold millions and millions of copies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think there's just a, like I, he always uses the phrase, the type of person and um, that like vote for the type of person you want to become. But I think really one of the things that is key when like identity is so important for so many different reasons, but your identity is super important for because it often determines the actions that you take. And to me, some of the things that you said that determines your identity is who you tell yourself you are and who you tell other people you are. And then you, then your identity starts to mold and starts to form largely based off of just those two things alone. So I think those are those are key and, and definitely things that I'm going to can, uh, try to implement more of myself as well to help break break free of uh, 
the some of the things that I hold myself back from. Um, one thing that I want to ask before the last question is, I know you're coming out with a new book here in the near future. Obviously, you don't want to give it away, but what are some of the biggest things that you feel like you've learned from writing the last book to this upcoming book that are going to be most beneficial pe- to people when coming out with this next one? What do people need compared to what do I want to give? This book mm-hmm. doesn't have my story. This book doesn't have any of my stories. This book is more of a guide and it is based on taking action and through a lot of research and a lot of surveys done with people, the nine main reasons why people don't take action, like fear of other people's opinions, the scarcity mindset, blaming the past, the perfectionist, So through reading this book, you're able to see the reason like why it's holding you back and why actually in the brain, why is that chemically, neurologically happening? A story of somebody from the past who overcame the same thing and literally like, you you probably never heard of these people, but they're mind blowing stories, crazy stories, changing the world and then tools for how you can overcome that aspect. So the biggest thing with this book is I want people to be able to go tell somebody else, hey, like to be the person that you're meant to be, you need to read this book. You'll find out why it's holding you back. I don't know exactly what that kind of conversational marketing piece is going to look like yet, but I want it to be something like, well, if you're in a relationship, you're going to tell somebody to go read the five love languages. So if you're stuck in a situation or if you don't know exactly how to take that one step, go read my book. Yeah. I won't reveal the title yet, but we'll get to that point. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm super excited to to read it and and order it because taking action, like we've talked about is the most important thing that anybody can do because the feedback it provides you. But David, before I ask the last question, I just want to acknowledge you for a lot of different things, but your ability to believe in yourself, even when you were still playing, like your belief in yourself that you were going to make it to the NBA, like that's ad- admirable in and of itself, even though I know it obviously did never happen. I love the belief that you had in yourself, but then I love your ability to take the action from the comment that your mom said and open up those other doorways to yourself because you knew that other people weren't going to call you. You know, other knew other people weren't going to open the door for you. You had to go out, write those all those letters to the GMs. You had to go out, send all those emails to all these other people, and you continue to do that on a daily basis. And it's 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 inspiring to see somebody forge again. Not their not that they are solely responsible for forging their own way, but you did a lot in, in making all those things happen. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. Of course, of course. Well, y'all, you guys need to go make sure you get this book. I'm almost done with it. I haven't completely finished, but Breakthrough by David Nurse, and obviously be on the lookout for his new book coming out sometime in the in the near future. And obviously, if you're watching on YouTube as well, you can see his first book, Pivot and Go. Um, I got to make sure I go back and, and order that as well since I haven't read it. But uh, I know you'll also need to follow him at davidnurse.com and on Instagram and Twitter at davidnursenba. Uh, is there anything I missed that other people should go follow you and learn more about you? Check out my podcast, The Art Of. Uh, yes. That's Yeah, that's it. You got it covered. Awesome. Awesome. Well, last question here, David, is I think that in order to get closer to the best version of yourself, it's a constant journey. I don't think we actually ever get to that best version. And I also think it's a unique journey. I think the way that I get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different 
than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So the final question is for you personally, if there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to the best version of David Nurse that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Mm, great question. Uh, one, always, 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 no matter what, ever, always put my wife first in every situation. Always edify her. That's number one. Two would be, hmm, two would be to continue to improve myself. Uh, continue to evolve. Continue to evolve. I know speaking and writing books is this thing right now, but I have some things up my sleeve that I'm close to taking another step out of. So continuing to push myself to evolve and never getting comfortable in that. And three, just really honestly continue to grow closer to God. And whatever that looks like as it's leading other people towards God, being more bold, speaking about my faith. But if I hit those three things... Yeah, I'll be closer to the best version of myself that I will never get to, nor do I want to get to. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. Those are awesome. Those are great, man. Yeah, you guys, again, make sure you go listen to this podcast, The Art of Podcast. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram if you don't already at David Nurse NBA. Make sure you go get breakthrough. And more importantly, make sure that you take action in life. Move forward, whether or not you know it's the right step or the wrong step. Move forward. Do something that then you can shut that door if need be, keep walking down the hallway and open up other doors that present themselves to you. But don't think that anybody else is going to open them for you. You got to walk through and open yourself. So appreciate you joining today, David. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks, Nick. You're the man. That was an absolute blast to have David on. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And I hope you really enjoyed when he talked about how life is like a long hallway with plenty of doors that you can open, learn from, and then move on to the next door. I thought that was such a great analogy. But my biggest takeaway from it is that you have to be the one to open up the door. No one else will do it for you. Not your friends, not your family, not the universe. You have to open it. And that should be a great thing to realize because that means that you have ownership and you can take responsibility for the outcomes in your life. Make sure you share this episode with a friend or family member while you're listening. All you have to do is send it to somebody who needs a kick in the butt to take action in their life and send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And remember, results and expectations of others can't be your guiding light for why you do what you do. And remember that you're only fulfilled in life when you're on an exhilarating journey of growth, which really requires you stepping outside of your comfort zone. With that said, it's time. It's time to do exactly what David talked about and take action. Don't just let the motivation and insights that David gave today go to waste. Start taking action on it ASAP while your energy levels are high and while you're really motivated because if you take action, if you open doors when ones are closed on you, you'll inevitably get closer and closer to your best you. 